Jane is an all-in-one practice management software that can help you manage your practice with a suite of features that make it easy to meet with individuals, couples, families, and more. Here on Am I a Bad Therapist, we know that two of the most important things to us as therapists are confidentiality and our time. Thankfully, Jane understands that reliability and security are very important parts of running a private practice. Jane's cloud-based software is accessible wherever you have Wi-Fi, and their team is always ready to lend a helping hand. Jane is HIPAA and PEPITA compliant, and your data is stored safely in the country you practice in. So no matter where or how you practice, Jane's always with you in the most secure and helpful way possible. Not only does Jane help us protect our clients, but they help us protect our time too with features like calendar syncing, note templates, online booking, and they have automated reminders and workflows. Which you know we love on Am I a Bad Therapist? And you can learn more at jane.app slash mental health. You can also mention the code bad therapist for a one month grace period on your new Jane account. Have you ever asked yourself, am I a bad therapist? Well, you're in the right place. I'm Allie Joy, licensed professional counselor and board certified art therapist. And I'm Katherine Escare, a clinical psychologist, and this is Am I a Bad Therapist? Join us each week for stories from behind the closed therapy door. You'll hear experiences that made us ask, am I a bad therapist? Including bloopers, jaw droppers, and other difficult moments that normalize the unique struggles of modern day therapists. This is a space with no experts, no gurus, and no hierarchies, just humans sitting in similar chairs. And while we're not the gatekeepers for good and bad therapy, because we're bad therapists too, we are here to shine a light on the difficult decisions therapists face on a daily basis and to normalize that mysterious gray area of clinical practice that no one wants to talk about. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So we talk a lot about what we do inside the therapy room, but Ellie, what are some of your hobbies outside of the therapy room? 
Well, I definitely do a lot of creative things, lots of uh, random art making. I also have the lovely ADHD habit of switching hobbies all the time. But probably my biggest one is I read for fun all the time. I read lots of fiction books, not workbooks. Um, but how about you, Catherine? I really like Formula One racing, so I spend a lot of my free time and downtime uh, researching, uh, analyzing, and following along in the communities. So that's my little my little hobby. But we're going to hear from Sam today and her hobby outside of the therapy room. And not that it matters, because it shouldn't matter what therapist hobbies are outside of the therapy room, but we are going to be hearing from Sam today, and her hobby is pole dancing. She is a pole enthusiast, dancer, instructor, all the things, but sadly, this story takes a bit of a turn. Sam gets a formal complaint that people filed against her for having the hobby of pole dancing as a therapist. And we're going to explore with her what it means to maintain two rewarding careers as a pole dancer instructor and a therapist, as well as these double standards that exist in our field. I know. So sit back, grab a pole, some popcorn, get ready for this episode. We're very excited to talk about it because, again, it shouldn't matter. But yet here we are talking about it. And this should go without saying, but we don't endorse actual bad therapy. So just remember that this is not a substitute for clinical consultation, ethical guidance, or therapy itself. All right. Well, this is episode number 58 of Am I a Bad Therapist? Let's get into it. Sam, welcome to the podcast. So nice to see you guys virtually, and thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. I know you from the network. We've been, you know, connected for years now. But before we get into your bad therapist story, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. So hi, folks. My name is Sam. I use the pronouns she and her. And I live in Halifax, Nova Scotia. That's up in Canada, for those who don't know. And my job is I'm a psychotherapist. My background is in both nursing, mental health nursing and social work. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of like the licensed clinical social worker equivalent in Canada. We use registered social worker here. And I've been in the field for nearly 10 years now. Um, I've worked both in our public mental health system. Um, so in Canada, we have kind of a system where we pay taxes and you get therapy for, for free. <laughs> and I uh, work. That sounds so great. That sounds what? so nice. Yeah. What? Well, I mean, it's I kind of like a bit, a bit of an asterisk. I mean, um, we kind of have a bit of a screening process and then we kind of are limited to treating folks who kind of like meet criteria for like, huh. you know, using kind of the DSM format. So we kind of use a bit more of like a medical model. But of course, those who want to improve their wellness or their relationships and aren't necessarily, um, you know, suffering from like a major, um, you know, mental illness kind of go the private route, which I also work. I, I, um, I've worked in group practice settings and I also, um, have my own solo practice. Um, and I'm currently on mat leave. And so, um, my work focuses mostly on uh, trauma focused therapy with first responders, doctors, nurses, and also the general uh, population. I use modalities such as cognitive behavioral therapy, DBT, uh, EMDR, and I kind of wrap that all up in a bit of a smoothie approach, I say, and uh, mostly just kind of meet the person where they're at and try to have some appropriate laughs along the way because it's really important to me to forge a solid therapeutic relationship with folks and just to be like, a goofy human in the process and to let folks have that um, as well and be themselves. 
so yeah, that's uh, that's basically me. I'm currently off on mat leave, um, and so I was like, you know, why not uh, hit up good old Catherine and Allie for a podcast episode since I have mm-hmm. a bit more time on my hands. Um, time is kind of weird right now. It's a bit of a construct in that I'm both like busy and bored at the same time, but uh, it's nice <laughs> to kind of have a bit of a break and actually, uh, you know, get dressed and put makeup on. I just have a, a two and a half month at home. Uh, so yeah, here I am. <laughs> Oh, well, thanks We're for so making, happy to have you. Yeah. And making time, you know, parental leave is a really weird time where it, the days are busy, but you don't know what you accomplish. So at least today you can you can have a podcast and a lot of other things that <laughs> that go under your belt today. So, Sam, you are going to share a topic and experience with us today that I have been you know, I have known some of your hobbies and interests outside the clinical room. You know, you've shared it on the network years for some years now. And I have never asked you a lot of questions about your interests and hobbies, but I'm really excited to hear your story today. And do you want to dive in to your bad therapist moment? Sure, sure. I'll start with giving a little bit of, of a background story just so folks kind of understand, um, you know, how I got into um, this position, I guess, and in the hobbies that I do. So, um, Back in like kind of 2013, 2014 era, I was really into like fitness and like bodybuilding and shows and stuff like that. And the long and the short of it is that um, even though I felt very proud of my accomplishments, it didn't really um, make me feel so good about myself in like the long term in terms of like my self-esteem and like my relationship like with my body and food and stuff. And so um, I kind of got away out of that sport, even though I made some really great friends. I just wasn't really... I wasn't really getting as much out of it emotionally as I was, um, you know, kind of before when I was just going to the gym for for fun and stuff. It, I kind of became a little bit too focused on um, kind of proving myself and like other types of things that I won't really kind of get into. But um, I decided to pick up a new hobby and to kind of spend less time like in the gym working out um, and to try, um, a, you know, just just to kind of get out of my head a little bit and to try pole dancing. And so I started doing that several years ago and I got really into it. And it was just such a positive thing for both like my physical health as well as my self-esteem, because when you're doing like, you know, tough tricks and combos, you're very mindful in the moment and you tend to focus less on what you look like or like what your roles are or like what your body shape is or what other people are doing just because like you have to be so focused on the the tricks and the combos and just like living in the moment. So I found that was a really positive outlet for me. And um, the more I did it, uh, the more classes I took, um, the more friends I made, the more confident I became. And I was able to really kind of leave a lot of those like insecurities and like kind of negative stuff from like the bodybuilding fitness world behind and kind of just embrace the goodness of it um, and still go to the gym and stuff for course for fun, but, you know, mostly just focusing on holistic wellness. And so I was really into that and so into it that I became an instructor. And then I started my own business doing pole dancing um, after work. So I would do my normal, like, you know, kind of therapist job, like, you know, eight to four. And then I would take on private uh, pole students um, afterwards. So, um, it, and it was just, such a great feeling. It's a very similar feeling being a pole teacher that it is to be a therapist. You know, you're, you're helping someone, um, improve their, you know, their, not just their physical fitness, um, but their emotional well-being. And it's, it's such a transformation that you get to see, um, in folks where, you know, they show up to class and they're wearing like baggy clothes and, 
a sweatshirt and like, you know, you know, baggy pants. And not that there's anything wrong with that at all. But, you know, the reason why they're dressing that way is because they're uncomfortable. And then the more they do it, the more they start to feel good about themselves. And then they kind of have that similar transformation I had where I'm, you know, not focused on my body at all. And I'm just having fun and challenging myself. And so you get to be a part of this super positive um, transformation in folks' lives, just as we do in the therapy world. And so that really brought me a lot of joy, so much so that, you know, it just doesn't even feel like work. It's, it's, I'm very passionate about my career as a therapist, so much so that, you know, I get to feel like, you know, it's some days it's, it's hard, of course, but other days you're like, I can't believe I get paid to do this. And the same with pole dancing, um, you know, you just to be such a positive role model for other folks, um, all genders I've taught um, and couples. And yeah, it was just a really positive asset to my life. And so that's how I got into doing pole dancing and then eventually running my own business as a part-time pole instructor. And I've done different, you know, pole competitions as well. And it's just a totally different vibe than bodybuilding. It's, it's not, it's not competitive in the sense that you're trying to like, you know, um, be the best and, you know, kind of one up others or whatever. You're not really, you're not comparing yourself to other people. You're just trying to beat your own best. So it, even the competitions were very different than bodybuilding in that way. And it was just all around very positive for me. Um, so I'm taking a break from that now since I'm on leave and I'm, you know, trying to be kind to my body and kind of come back to that. But um, it's something I really look forward to getting back to. So that's the background that you need to know in order to understand, uh, you know, how my bad therapist story emerged. Um, so, you know, I've been doing this pole dancing thing for several years now, and I've been a therapist uh, for several years as well. Um, I don't bring it up in sessions. I don't talk about it. I don't show clients videos. It's totally separate. Um, I have a business page for my pole dancing business, but like it doesn't even have my legal name there. It's just, you know, Daisy Chains Pole Dance and Fitness. There's nothing that says my name on it other than maybe referring to my first name as, as Sam or, or Daisy. You know what I mean? That's my, my kind of competition name. and it's very much different than sex work, I will say. However, I'm not saying that because sex work is bad in any way, shape, or form, but it is different. Pole dancing does come mm -hmm. from sex work, and sex mm -hmm. work is work. However, it is not at all the same thing, just mm -hmm. so folks um, are aware. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm just going about my business, doing my therapist thing, doing my pole dancing thing, and teaching classes. And then um, I remember the day clearly I was doing some interviews um, because part of my role um, at my one of my jobs as a clinical supervisor, I was interviewing some candidates um, for a position at the work. And I had my phone kind of off to the side. And I remember just kind of glancing over and I saw my regulatory body's name come up on like the caller ID. And even just glancing over, uh, I immediately regretted looking because I just had this like heart pounding, like cold sensation because... You know, whenever you get a call from your regulatory body, it's never a good thing. And so uh, all the while, I can't just answer the phone. I'm in the middle of an interview. So I'm kind of going through this interview, like half present, wondering, like, why are they calling me? I've never gotten a call from them before. I've never gotten a complaint against me or any issue. Uh, you know, I just kind of do my job. And it's not really something I think about or a call I think I'm going to receive in terms of that domain. So I get through the interviews and then like I call them back like as soon as I'm done and yeah, I get the voicemail and then I must have called them like oh, 20 times in one hour. And then I walk away to get lunch and then I see a missed call from them and then I end up calling them like <laughs> oh another 20 times. And then I eventually get someone and um, the person on the phone. Uh, well, actually, maybe I should stop here. In terms of how Ooh. I mean, we have so many questions. <laughs> so many questions. Yeah. Catherine, where do you want to start?
Well, first of all, I need a recommendation for pole dancing lessons. This sounds like a really, really great addition to your life. It it truly is. And like, um, there's a lot of assumptions about pole dancers or, or, you know, um, that it's that people are doing it, you know, to kind of show off or like for some sort of purpose. And the the reason why someone does that is actually none of anyone else's business. However, um, for me, and for many other people, it's a very positive thing. And it has nothing to do with like impressing others. It's it's very, it's very much like an intrinsically motivated, um, positive thing for someone's mental, emotional, spiritual, and, and physical health. Um, so I totally recommend anyone give it a try. And a lot of people also think that they need to wear like um, a bathing suit or something really skimpy to do it. And although it is helpful to show some skin, like to wear like shorts um, or t-shirt for safety reasons, because the more skin that mm. makes contact with the pole, the more safe you are, because mm. your skin um, allows your body to actually kind of grip and stay on the pole. So if you're wearing like a full tracksuit, you'd Wet be more suit. at risk to like, yeah, you'd be more at risk to like fall off and hurt yourself. So that's why pole dancers, um, you know, typically wear like short shorts, um, a sports bra. Um, but yeah, folks can wear what they want, but that's um, kind of ideal. Um, but yeah, you know, you, you don't need to dress up or uh, wear heels if you don't want to. It's just kind of come as you are. And um, as an instructor, it's my role to make folks feel safe and comfortable and to work from like a trauma-informed lens, which I do in my therapy sessions as well. I do the same um, in my poll classes and just to kind of make work what people are comfortable with. So there's most certainly things you can do um, while wearing like full clothes. Um, there's even a pole dancer on Instagram who is amazing. I think her username is Hijablicious. And she wears a full, um, you know, a full outfit that's aligned with her spiritual practice, a hijab and everything. And so you can do pull, um, you know, wherever makes you feel comfortable. So I highly recommend it. And, um, you know, I, I guess if anyone wanted to try, just look up uh, Google, <laughs> go hop on Google and Google like pole dance studios and pole instructors in your area and maybe have a chat with the owners or the instructors around like um, some of the practices that make you feel safe and comfortable. That's amazing. I'm so intrigued because I have heard of pole dancing in such a fitness way, like you were kind of sharing of like, it takes so much strength and mm-hmm. so much like control of your body and all of these things. And you know, I don't know if it's just how I think of it. Like that's where it's so interesting. Like I'm very interested to hear how these connected, like these two stories have not yet connected for us. Um, because again, I am like, yeah, that's amazing. You know, building on your fitness or even just doing it for fun. All of these things sound so positive. So, I mean, let's get into it. How do these two things connect for yes. you? Maybe I stopped a bit prematurely. So I get the call from the... Oh, no. No, no, no. <laughs> Perfect lead up. I get the call from the college. Um, finally, they call me back. Uh, and it's probably only been a span of like an hour. But for me on the inside, I'm like just dying because you get this mysterious call and no context other than call me back. And it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of like my whole career and life is like flashing through my eyes, like replaying like the last 10 years. I'm like, what, you know, did I do something wrong? Am I a bad therapist? What's, why are they calling me? Yeah. Um, and so I, I get someone from my regulatory body and uh, they say, hey, Sam, I wasn't even going to really give you a call. So I'm like, okay, this, where's this going? They go on to say, but I thought, you know, this maybe it's better that I call you instead of email you just given the um, complaint that we've received about you. And so I'm just like holding my breath, like, where is this going to go? And she proceeds to say, we received an email. It was obviously a made up email because it was like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, X, 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 S, W, you know, whatever, a bunch of numbers and letters at gmail.com. So somebody made up a fake email 
to send us a complaint saying that, you know, you have this pole dancing business and this page um, and that you're, um, you know, posting videos of pole dancing and yourself dancing and that this is a big problem because you work with mostly men. And, yeah. and the person didn't leave their name. Yes, the person didn't leave their name because they said at the bottom, and mm. I quote, that they didn't want to get in trouble. And so it was an anonymous reporter and not an anonymous complaint. I, we're, I mean, what for anyone, through your if head? you're not watching the YouTube video, Sorry. Our fa- <laughs> like our faces, our jaws are dropped. Like this is... What went through your head, Sam, when you, when you heard that? Oh, man. Well... It was different what initially went through my head versus kind of processing it because I was just yep. so terrified that mm-hmm. I, you know, somehow wronged someone or gotten in trouble that like in that moment, I was just like kind of like in shock that I was even getting the call. So I, I was kind of like, uh, you know, both maybe a little bit relieved, but also confused and um, probably like I think I felt a lot of shame and, and guilt in the mm-hmm. moment, too, because, you know, women in our society are just so often criticized and blamed. Um, For example, in the instances of like sexual assault, they're often kind of uh, blamed for like, you know, oh, you were wearing this or you did this. Um, That's why this terrible thing happened to you, which of course is not the case and not the logic at all. But that's often kind of the rhetoric that we hear in, um, you know, the courtrooms or, or in the media or kind of in our society. Right. So I kind of just initially felt really, vulnerable, really kind of exposed, even though um, I pride myself on doing pole dancing. And if ever a client were to bring it up, I would, you know, be like, I've totally owned that I that I did it. And I would explain to them kind of why I did it and process that with them in terms of whatever reaction they had to it. But I wouldn't just bring it up in a therapy session. But anyway, we can talk more about that later. So it's not something I'm ashamed of. However, I just kind of immediately felt shame based on how society kind of views that and and the way that that person framed the reason for what like you know that I you know it's it's almost like they were implying that I um like are I'm inappropriate with my male clients or something like that which is um you know I I really pride myself on professionalism and um you know being being ethical especially since you know there are there are unfortunately some therapists that uh do do inappropriate things to clients and that's just the opposite of my kind of moral and, and, and ethical code. Um, so yeah, I felt like a, just a lot of feelings. I felt like kind of ashamed, like I, like I shouldn't be doing this, like I'm bad at my job or I'm, I'm a bad therapist mm-hmm. or even just that I kind of felt like a bad person for putting this out there. I kind of felt stupid. Um, and But then I also felt angry that, um, you know, someone would make such misogynistic comments at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I felt like a whole whirl of things that were kind of swirling at the time when I was in, getting the phone call itself and then later... Um, there was uh, probably less shame and more kind of anger or, you know, uh, sadness that kind of emerged when I was trying to figure out, um, you know, kind of how to feel and how to kind of proceed and deal with that. Let's pause here for a quick ad break. Are you looking to incorporate more creativity into your clinical practice, but don't know where to start? As a registered art therapist, I truly believe that every clinician can utilize creativity in what they do. I absolutely love offering consultation and supervision to share with clinicians how to ethically incorporate therapeutic art making into their clinical practice. I focus on easy and simple interventions with very little prep work for you and your clients. Visit www.cccs.care to learn more. By the way, the number one support for those of us asking ourselves, am I a bad therapist? Our clinical consultation groups. If you don't have one yet, join us on the Teletherapist Network. 
for unlimited peer consultation groups, including a lot of different specialty groups like clinicians of color, LGBTQ+, couples counseling, EMDR. And of course, Creativity in the Clinical Room, hosted by me, Allie. Plus masterclasses, media leads, and everything else you need for an ethical, modern clinical practice. Join us at teletherapistnetwork.com. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Moving forward, let's get back to the show. And how did, first of all, the shame for for this really beautiful hobby that brought so much joy and purpose to your life and to your clients' lives, uh, the students that you taught, mm. to, to have someone make imply a suggestion of inappropriateness is so hurt. Like I am hurt for you. I am hurt for people who, you know, you know, poll instructors who might also get the same implications. Like that is really sad to me as well. Um, what was the tone or the implied message of the the person delivering this complaint to you? What was there? How did they deliver it to you? They they were actually really sincere and uh, sympathetic and. They, they they thought it was ridiculous they they just said like you know um that they're part of their role um and the reason why they uh contacted me was because they they kind of um are on the board uh or the committee that kind of sorts out complaints they're kind of the initial person that manages them before that goes up to like our ed or our um whatever and so uh yeah she thought it was totally ridiculous and she told me that she had emailed forwarded the email to our ed and said like you know do we as an association have a position on pole dancing and our ed who wrote back who's actually a man said we don't police women's bodies and so when i when i heard her share that i felt like kind of instant relief that like you know that they kind of got it and you know as as they they should like you know we're we're trying to be um, you know, intersectional and inclusive and anti-oppressive in our, our work, um, we should treat our members of our association and our, our, you know, our colleagues the same way. We shouldn't just kind of, you know, only treat our clients that way. We, we need to kind of be accepting of our peers as well, even if we don't agree or want to do those hobbies. And so I, I felt really supported on the phone call, but also was like just reeling from, you know, yeah, I, I felt extremely hurt that someone would, you know, try to get me in trouble in, in that way because it's, you know, it's my livelihood. Um, you know, if, if you don't have your license to practice, you, uh, you're, you're kind of screwed. Mm-hmm. So, so, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it was, it was a lot of emotion and, uh, yeah, I was, I'm grateful that the, the tone of the regulator was really, um, you know, uh, she, she was all, we were all on the same page in terms of, of that. She just said, you know, as long as you're not, 
sending in videos to clients or doing any of that, like that's, it's fine. And I was like, Oh my God, I would never do that. Like, uh, so, so yeah, it was a fairly short call and uh, it took me a while to process it after the fact, but, but yeah, I'm glad that they were supportive of me. Yeah, as they should be, of course, but that's amazing. It took that tone, but still so interesting that somebody still filed this complaint. So I imagine, or I'm wondering if that did come up for you after of like, you know, the shock, all of these emotions coming from the phone call, you hang up, then did your brain jump to like, who would do this? Yeah. Like, what, what about that piece? Immediately, immediately. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, who, you know, who would do this? And, and it was especially hurtful too, that, you know, whoever that person was, wouldn't, uh, like, no one's ever mentioned this to me before. Like, not, no, um, some of my colleagues, like, know that I've, I, I pulled dance. In fact, a, a few of them actually went to one of my competitions and cheered me on. Um, there was a psychiatrist there, um, a fellow nurse, a fellow social worker. They all went to, like, support me at one of my competitions a few years ago. So, like, you know, folks know I, I, I work th- that I pull dance, but it's, like, not, like, a daily thing I'm bringing up or, like, I'm, you know, it, I, don't, I don't even think they follow my page, but it's just, like, you know, something that I mentioned that I was doing. It was, um, the show I did was particularly interesting. It was, it was called pole. It was like pole theater. So, um, huh. yeah. Oh. So I was in a category that was like no tricks higher than you can reach above the pole. So I was doing a lot of like handstands and like flips and stuff like that. Like, like really like, kind of like floor moves. And I did a piece that was all about domestic violence awareness. Um, so they kind of oh, came and, and cheered me on. Oh. Yeah, it was, it was really positive. Um, and I got second in the competition. So it was really cool for like my, my coworkers to like see me perform in, in Excel. Um, but anyway, yeah. Like, Wait, can I interrupt? Do you, would you feel comfortable? Do you have a video of that performance? Yeah, I, I do. I think we'd love to share it. Yeah, it's on YouTube. Yes. Oh my totally. God. Yeah. Oh, and there's we'll total listeners. We'll, we'll share that and link it in the show notes. Thank you. And there's tons of other awesome ones too from that. Um, yes, there's, there's one person that was Batman and like did all these like cool drops from the top of the pole in like a different category. There was doubles. Um, one of, um, Gosh. one of my friends who's also instructor, she's uh, indigenous like me and she and another instructor did a piece about like, um, missing and murdered indigenous women. It was all very powerful. So this was all, um, wow. yeah, like there's like people don't understand, like they just kind of think like, Oh, Ooh. like, you know, like, uh, they, they kind of have an idea in their head about what pole dancing is, but it's so much more than that. And there's a lot of depth and a lot of work that goes into the performances. And um, yeah, just like so many benefits that people don't really consider before they just kind of put a blanket judgment on it. Um, but yeah, anyways, back to your question. Um, I, of course, I immediately went to like, who would do this? Because, um, you know, part of my attachment style or approach is like, you know, if there's an issue, I, I don't shy away from conflict. Like I want to kind of talk it out and I want to deal with it. Like if someone has a problem with me, then I want to like, you know, I think everyone wants a chance to kind of explain themselves or like to kind of resolve. So I was like, is when I first kind of went to like, would any of my clients do this? Like, would anyone be hurt by this? Like, I, I want to address that with them if like someone feels uncomfortable. But then in thinking about it, I just like could not imagine or think of a client doing that, nor where I live, is it very common for clients to even complain? Um, that's that's not a good thing or a bad thing or, or maybe it's not a good thing because there's definitely some, some situations I'm sure that maybe should be com- reported that that maybe go unreported um, but it's just like not a common thing here like all reports and complaints that go through are public and we just don't have a lot um so so yeah I guess you can, you can kind of have different determinations and judgments about that but anyway like I just truly could not think of a client that would uh go so far to report it without bringing it up or like i had no clients that just randomly like ghost me lately like my clients are pretty like consistent like i work with people for years 
Um, like, you know, I do a lot of like long-term psychotherapy. So like we, you know, do a lot of like warm up, especially with like, you know, kind of first responder population. I work with them for a while to build trust. And then we, we do several um, critical incidents as well as usually childhood processing. So like I work with my clients are like solid. So like I couldn't think of anyone that would do that. And then I kind of immediately went to thinking about a conflict I had a few months back with a coworker. And so then my mind goes to the place of like, oh, would she do that? Like, I'm not very close with her. Um, could it be her? Um, but like, you know, you can't just go and like go up to someone and be like, hey, did you report me to the college? That really hurt my feelings. Um, <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> like, it, like, that's not going to really help the relationship if I accuse them of doing such, mm-hmm. like, like, such a thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, yeah, I'm just kind of there spinning and like, who would ever do such a thing? And um, yeah, that was really, really tough to move forward from in terms of like, you know, I may never find out who yeah. did this. I can't make it right. And is there someone out there that wants like ill will of me that wants me to like lose my job? Like that doesn't really feel good. And so, yeah, that's kind of all the stuff that's going through my head in terms of processing, like who would do such a thing. It really rattles your, your trust and your self confidence. I can imagine, you know, wondering every person I would walk into work wondering, did you report me? Did you report me? Did you report me? Kind of. Yeah. Or like just kind of going through scenarios in my head, like, you know, Oh, did, could, could this, could I have like, I, yeah, I guess I was kind of like um, nitpicking or like putting my behavior under a microscope and like and like trying to mm-hmm. like kind of, I guess, mm-hmm. make interpretations for mm-hmm. things that probably were relatively innocuous, right? Like, oh, did this comment offend someone? But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it was it was really tough. So it sounds like you're at a place now where you're like, well, screw it. I am a pole dancer, a pole instructor and a therapist. And if people have problems, they can talk to me about it because I can explain how I do both ethically. Um, how did you get, how did you go from second guessing yourself, nitpicking your behaviors and your clients and kind of that? I, I would feel a little paranoid. Right. Um, how did you go from that after the fallout of having this complaint come through anonymously to back to this confidence of, yeah, I can do it and I do it both ethically? Yeah, well, after a lot of crying and, you know, talking to my <laughs> husband about it and uh, talking to like my mentors and like my my close colleagues and friends, um, and I wasn't like spreading around like, oh, I think this person did it and like being like, oh, we should all like not like this person because, because yeah, you, you, you can't do that. And it's, it's not going to change the situation anyway. I'm not going to go talk to them about it. What's done is done. So I did a lot of processing um, with other people and, um kind of putting myself out there, especially since my mentor um, also happens to be a pole dancer and uh, I've taught some of their classes. So like they, they really kind of get it and they just kind of reaffirmed to me um, what the college, uh, what our executive director said and um, how, yeah, that I'm not doing anything wrong, uh, that, you know, I'm, I'm not, this, this does not make me a bad therapist or a bad person and that I should just, yeah, kind of turn the other cheek and move forward um, and, and let it go. And so, yeah, it was, kind of the old classic acceptance of what you can and, and can't change or, or control. Like I, I, I can't um, change the fact that this happened and that I don't know who did it. And I have to accept that I probably will never know. Um, and the nature of those comments were very misogynistic. And so is that really someone that I want to impress anyway? And if a client ever had an issue with me doing that, then I would totally, um, you know, approach it with them openly um, and, yeah, work it out with them. And if they wanted to see someone else, then I absolutely would provide them with referrals. But at the end of the day, we can't be 
everything to everyone and we can't make ourselves into this cookie cutter therapist mm -hmm. that's going to be the ideal therapist for every single person. Like, you know, I have tattoos and I pole dance and I sometimes swear and that is going to be like an ideal therapist for some people. And that's going to be like atrocious to others. And that doesn't uh, say anything about the person or the therapist that I am. And so going forward with that and remind myself of that, that's really how I was able to um, kind of overcome that hard moment and uh, heal from it. And yeah, kind of just keep doing my thing. Well, I'm so glad you got to that place because I can imagine, again, just those oh, so many emotions, but it is so interesting where it does feel like there is almost pressure like to have to be a therapist 24-7, but we know that that's not realistic or it's like, I feel like even with like um, teachers, they always joke like, you know, if a student sees a teacher out of the classroom, they're like, whoa, you're a person? Like you go to the grocery store? I feel right. like it's kind of similar for therapists yeah. where we run into a client. They're like, oh my God, you're, you're, you're a person in this world doing something else besides being a therapist. But it is our job. And like, yes, it's a core piece of who we are as, you know, as humans, as people, but we have lives outside of the therapy room. And that is not bad. That doesn't make us bad. It's not wrong. Like we have to be humans. And that applies to hobbies, you know, things we do. Um, and it's just, it's so unfortunate that someone really judged you for that. And also that implication they put alongside of it is so frustrating, but I'm just really happy that you're sharing this story to normalize that we are humans who are allowed to have hobbies and, just sharing the story. I'm just so thankful for it, Sam. Thank you. And and yeah, it just, I mean, I kind of, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't like, oh yes, I'm going to hop on a podcast and tell the world oh, yes. and put myself <laughs> out course. there because, you know, it is very vulnerable to me to like tell the story because I'm sure there will be people who listen yeah. to this podcast and, you know, vehemently say that, oh, Sam is unprofessional because she pole dances and they're not going to change their opinion and nor do I want to. I'm not here to um, you know, argue or debate with anyone about that. That's, that's, you know, if you don't want to pull dance or <laughs> you don't want to keep listening, then you can turn this off. Right. But, um, but yeah, I think that it, it was especially important for me to bring this forward just because, um, over the last forever, but the last few months, especially with there being increasing policing over women's bodies with, uh, you know, mm -hmm. Roe v. Wade being overturned and all this other really, uh, you know, hard stuff happening. I just wanted to bring this forward and um, make it a point of discussion for, uh, you know, allowing women or, or just people, anyone, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, a female identifying non-binary, uh, whoever you are, um, to be, you know, open and inclusive and, and to not, you know, to not judge life is too short <laughs> uh, and to just really kind of check our biases and our, um, you know, our, our worldviews and, and to kind of critically ask ourselves, you know, um, am I really placing judgment on this person? Um, because it's, you know, helpful or is this just kind of some old story that I've learned and do I have some unlearning or work to do basically? So that's why I wanted to come on is to, uh, kind of put myself out there, um, to educate folks around, um, pole dancing, of course, because it is a really fun hobby and, um, people should try, it, but also just, a, the broader issue around, um, you know, um, oppression in our society. Sam, your voice is so important. And I, I, I we are so, Allie and I are, I'm speaking for you, Allie, sorry. We are so Just privileged <laughs> that one, we get to talk to you live, but I also feel really privileged that you felt comfortable enough talking to us and letting us air your story for the podcast and that you took a break from paternal or excuse me, Per, uh, not paternity, parental leave, maternal leave to, to tell your story. And, you know, Sam, just thank you so much. Um, I, I'm just really grateful. Thank you. 
to have you as part of our circle, really. Well, thank you for saying that. And thanks for having me on. So what did, I feel like I there's so many directions we could go with this question. So maybe I'll leave it a little more open for you to interpret. What advice would you share with a clinician for any pieces of this story if they were experiencing it, if they were going through something similar, or maybe even if they found themselves, I don't know, if they were feeling uh, judgmental towards something like this. Again, pick what you will and what you want to speak to, but what advice might you give to someone listening? Mm. Well, I guess with the last question, I mean, it kind of comes with that saying, like, you know, you can't wake someone up who's pretending to be asleep. So I'm not going to debate with Mm -hmm. anyone about why I do the things I do, um, if they're closed off to it, or they're just going to be, you know, (laughs) kind of like a keyboard warrior or whatever, like attack me on it, or like if they're, but if if someone is actually open to understanding, um, you know, my hobbies a bit more then I I would also just say like, well, why don't you try a class and then let's discuss like what came up for you during it? Um, you know, why not? Again, like you can wear a full, full snowsuit. Um, I don't recommend it, but like there, as an instructor, there are some moves that I could teach you with a snowsuit on. Um, there are some limits due to the safety aspect that I mentioned with the, you know, that's why we wear shorts and stuff like plus you know there's many other reasons why someone dresses the way they dress but um yeah like just just go try a class and see for yourself and you'll probably make some friends you'll probably be uncomfortable that's how we grow and so just try it and then um you know if you don't like it and it's not for you that's cool i'm not going to judge you um and if you want to talk more about what that brought up for you then that's probably a great thing to process in your own therapy or I'm, i'm here for it and in terms of other clinicians i mean i think a big aspect of our work is constant, you know, self-inquiry, self-reflection, and also being especially mindful, of course, of how you conduct yourself when you're in session. Um, and I would encourage folks, you know, if they were pole dancing to always kind of reflect on maybe the use of self-disclosure, like, you know, you, if you were to disclose that to a client, I'm sure there are some mm-hmm. situations where it would be appropriate, but you would really want to make sure that that would benefit the client. And it wouldn't be about mm-hmm. you, of course. Um, I've never found a situation where I've done that yet. Um, Actually, there was a situation where I disclosed to a client and they were they were a sex worker and I did disclose to them that I did pole dancing and it was very therapeutic for them and they felt a lot more safe in the room for me disclosing that. I wasn't like, here's my business page, go take a class from me because that would not be, that'd be a dual relationship. But I was like, you know what? Um, I'm a pole dancer and I really respect how hard your job is. Um, I can only imagine what it's like only doing the, the fitness part of pole and that really helped our relationship and helped that person feel safe and coming to me for processing some of the traumas that they occurred right. because a lot of sex workers feel really unsafe um, when it comes to mm-hmm. medical um, and psychological mm-hmm. services. So I did disclose that once and it was extremely impactful for them. Um, so yeah, just your general kind of, I don't know if it's, it's I don't want to say the words common sense, but are, are the common kind of questions we ask ourselves as therapists of when we're going to disclose something when we're not and make sure it's for the client's benefit and not for our benefit. Um, and not just randomly disclosing stuff just for random because that's not really helpful usually. Um, and then I guess if someone else was in the situation, then um, yeah, the, the kind of the classic acceptance of what you can and can't control to throw some DBT, you know, radical acceptance and uh, opposite action, baby. Opposite action all the way. Keep doing you. Um, you know, if, if someone complains about your poll because uh, they don't like it in your life, whether it's like your grandma, your dog your neighbor keep keep doing it <laughs> i love that that Wouldn't is so perfect more. absolutely and sam if anyone wants to connect with you outside of the podcast where can they find you sure um i'm on instagram sam the shrink um sam s-a-m dot t-h-e 
dot S H R I N K. I had to think about that because I've been up since 3 a.m. with my baby. <laughs> um, yeah, you can follow me there. I do have a website for my business as well, but it's not particularly exciting. <laughs> it's uh, following C's psychotherapy. Um, so you can hop on and read about my professional credentials if you want. Um, but I'm on that leave and not accepting clients until January 2024. So if you want to creep, it's there. But yeah, that's basically all I got for like social media and stuff. That's awesome. And Sam, would you feel comfortable sharing your poll instructor page? Yes. I mean, I, I, unfortunately, I'm, I'm actually uh, not teaching poll anymore. Um, oh, that's anymore. right. Matt leave. Yeah. Oh. And I'm not sure if I'll go back to it either just because, hmm. you know, you can only have so many businesses, so many, um, you know, yeah, so I'm many get that. So many balls in the air, which, <laughs> you know, it, it makes me it makes me feel sad. But I, I think one day I will go back to teaching poll. So my business page isn't um, running right now, but um it wasn't its time and just, uh, you know, maybe try to imagine it. <laughs> and, okay, yes, that sounds great. <laughs> I'll send you the video that you can share of my, um, my, my silver medal routine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah your domestic violence routine. Yes. Sam, thank you so much. I cannot thank you enough. And honestly, I almost messaged you probably a couple months ago being like, hey, you want to talk about, I didn't know you got, I didn't know there was a complaint, but I almost was like, you want to talk about like your, like your hobbies and how it mixes, but then you went on that leave. So when your application came through, like I was like, yes, Sam, yes. <laughs> That's so cool. I'm like, no. You know who I am. There's so many members. I do. There's so yes. many members on the network. I'm like, oh, you know me. So that that makes my uh, my heart feel good that you've remembered. Oh, yeah, Sam. Yeah. Of course. Well, thank you again for being with us, sharing the story. It was so amazing to talk to you and hear about this. We are again just so grateful. Thank you so much. And that's it. The OG bad therapists, Allie and Catherine, are signing off for the week. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We pick a few lucky five-star reviewers to shout out and invite for a 15-minute consultation with the both of us to talk about anything on your mind. From clinical work to podcasting, we're game. Just make sure to leave us your name and location in the review. Are you a bad therapist and want to be on the show? Go to abadtherapist.com and tell us your story. Our podcast is produced and edited by my amazing husband, Austin Joy. He also created the music for our intro and outro. You can find this song, along with many others, on any music platform under the artist Air for Effect. And if you're a bad therapist starting your own podcast or wanting to level up the one you already have, contact Austin for his full suite of podcast and sound production services. You can find him on Instagram at Air for Effect. And don't forget, we're all bad therapists. <laughs>